You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here is your host, it's Mr. Carl Stebbings. Well, hello and Happy New Year. Oh yes, Happy New Year, of course it is. It's the first show. First show of 2015. Welcome to the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and with me in the kitchen studio is Matt Smith. Good morning. And how's Matt this morning? He's all right, thank you. He's just uh, getting over the reveling of... Uh, I haven't got over a lot of New Year's Eve yet, but... Uh... <laughs> I, I didn't go anywhere. I stayed at home. Yes, I, I, I Boring didn't, me. I, I didn't. I have to confess there was a modicum of light refreshment consumed throughout the evening. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> I had a few few ales, few uh, English ales. You are, you are a bit of a... And uh, uh, relaxed on a sofa. My first New Year's Eve off in three years, I have to say. Mm. No DJing for me. Oh, good, yes. So you join us then. It's 2015, and it's the 2nd of January, Friday, a Friday morning. Uh, just, it's about half past, half past ten and coming up to half past ten in the morning Wow! as we record this. So we uh, hope you all had a fantastic Christmas time. And uh, Oh, I did. You I, did. I, I, yeah, no, I've I got to tell you a little story, <sighs> Ooh, actually. Tell Carl, us a story. No, tell no, us a story. No, Carl um, uh, bought me a very nice present, which was very generous of him. Yes. And, uh, because, <laughs> as, as some of you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exactly the most averse, shall we say, to aviation and or flight. And uh, I'm very interested in, in Carl learning how to fly and all that kind of thing, which is mm. why I keep asking all these very irritating questions. But he's bought me a little helicopter to try and get the hang of it. Now, now I've been trying to fly this thing, and I, I'm not going to lie, it hasn't gone overly well. I've So far, I've had to superglue one part back to the helicopter. Oh, that doesn't sound too good. <laughs> it's not gone very well. And all the animals who live in our house have actually moved out. Um, but other than that, it's going really well. Uh, <laughs> and you get, they, they do take some getting the hang of, those yeah, little yeah, um, yeah. remote I'm, control helicopters. Yeah, I, as I, I think I, <laughs> trouble is sort of disturbing mum's Downton Abbey viewing, you know, because there's a helicopter uh, in the middle of the screen just sort of hovering around. But anyway, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I'm having a lot of fun. So thank you very much for my present. Yeah, good. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. They are, they are fun. They are fun things. It's quite funny watching the dog, actually, because the dog, dog thinks it's like some kind of like newfangled toy that he can chase. And so chew. He, and chew. So he's literally mm. bouncing because I've, I've got a little Jack Russell at home and he's, he's, he's sort of spring. I've never moved, seen him move so fast. It's hilarious. Oh, <laughs> bless him. Dear Alfie. So you all had a good, you had a good Christmas. I, I did, had a yeah, good yeah. Christmas. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Enjoyed it. So we're off to a, a flighting start to the yes, new year. absolutely. Uh, yes. we, we did have a quite sad ending to 2014 though, but we've got that coming up in the news. Mm, yes, yeah. Um, but no, uh, it's uh, we had some pretty good frosts the last few days, so the last few yeah. days, some yeah. Pretty cold mornings, but today yes. it's almost summertime. It's well, like it's like summer. It's like like nearly nine degrees outside. It's almost, uh, yeah. almost summer. Uh, look, sitting here in the kitchen studio, looking out of the patio doors, as one does from mm. my particular vantage point from the kitchen studio. Yeah, indeed, all I can see is beautiful blue sky. Yeah. So it'd be a good day to be out having a lesson, actually. I but think. are my lessons booked for tomorrow? Oh, is and it? And the forecast is rain. Is for <laughs> <laughs> well, of course it is because you've booked a lesson. No, That's I why. know. I actually plan what I'm going to wear based on what lessons you've got to, and 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 your your flying schedule because it usually means if you're in the air that i'm going to need an umbrella oh thanks thanks for that yeah. <laughs> no uh, it, i've just i'm just looking actually i'm just looking on the wonderful app that is the weather channel and uh the forecast for tomorrow is 90 not 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 50 but 90 percent chance of rain right. um, quite high chance <laughs> yeah and that's right through till my lesson so there's a good chance i won't have a lesson tomorrow but we'll see oh really are you not allowed out in the rain 
Do you no, rust? No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's kind of kind of a hard. I mean, the the uh, the the flying school where I learned to fly, mm-hmm. they have a they help they have an asphalt runway and right. a grass. Yes, but the uh, taxi areas and stuff where the aircraft are parked is grass, and that becomes oh. quite quite boggy. Oh dear, when when it's wet, <laughs> and uh, I've seen seen a few uh, um, people um, stuck in the mud. Right to say oh. with uh, with a Cessna one hundred and fifty <laughs> or two. Um, uh, oh dear. But right. there you go. That's another story. Yes. Uh, okay. We'll save that for another time. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to kick off uh, today's show, yep. uh, as we always do, with a rundown of the news that's been happening in the last uh, few days of the 2014. Yeah. Been a busy and, week. Uh, and it's a been half. a busy it's week been, and a yeah. half. So if you're ready, then Matt. Yes. Right. Let's go. I do enjoy that jingle. Yeah. Yeah, probably too much. <laughs> too <yeah>. much. So <laughs> first uh, news story kicking off this weekend is obviously the very sad news, of course, of the uh, Air Asia A320 flight mm. QZ8501 that uh, that crashed into the sea. And yeah. uh, the, uh, the story, the news so far, is that the heavy seas are hampering recovery efforts and searchers uh, have yet to locate exactly where the wreckage is under the sea, although uh, they can kind of see where it is um, from sort of silhouettes under mm. the water because it has crashed into fairly uh, shallow waters, around about 100 feet of water. But unfortunately, the high seas uh, of three to four metres high are hampering the recovery work, And uh, but they have recovered uh, some bodies uh, from the mm. sea uh, of the victims of the crash. Uh, and the recovery effort is involved uh, in uh, involving an international fleet of 19 ships, four helicopters, and five fixed-wing aircraft. Gosh. Uh, meanwhile, a uh, team from France's Safety Investigation Authority, the BEA, they've arrived and are going to participate in underwater searches um, from today, Friday the 2nd of January. The uh, BEA team is equipped with hydrophones to help locate signals from the downed aircraft's flight data and cockpit voice recorders. In addition, Singaporean warships involved in recovery efforts have uh, acoustic detection uh, detection equipment, and civilian ships with a similar equipment are being deployed. Uh, the uh, officials have warned, however, that high seas are disrupt- uh, disrupting the acoustic environment in the search area, potentially making it harder to pinpoint the recorder's homing signals. He notes that it took weeks to locate the recorders of the Adam Air Flight 574, which was a Boeing 737-400 aircraft that crashed into the Mascassar Straits on the 1st of January in 2007. Officials maintain the area where the bodies and luggage of flight QZ8501 have been recovered is around 25 to 40 metres deep, depths that can be uh, accessed by divers. Flight QZ8501 operating uh, the Surabaya-Singapore route on the 28th of December 2014 crashed while apparently attempting to avoid bad weather. And it's believed uh, all 155 passengers and seven crew perished in the disaster. Now, I've been mm. following this on Sky News, Matt. It's really sad. It's a it terrible is, yeah. uh, end to 2014, which has been quite a bad year for uh, for accidents and stuff. Yeah, it has. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I mean, let's hope they can locate the recorders and uh, find out exactly what happened to this yeah. aircraft because that that will be the way that they can find out uh, 
you know, what happened to this Airbus A320. Yeah, very strange. As I say, as it says in the story there, that they were, they were you know, directing or re- rerouting, shall we say, to uh, try and vo- avoid bad weather. So yeah, the pilot know. radioed in to request um, a higher altitude to get right. uh, obviously get above the storms, but right. he was refused. Was he? Um, yeah, due to a lot of air traffic um, um, in the vicinity above and below. so Avoiding he, the storm. Avoiding the storm. Yeah. He wanted to avoid the storm. Um, they did, however, let him deviate slightly to uh, to the left to uh, to try and sort mm. of go around the storm. But obviously, something uh, something happened. And there's a lot of um, speculation and hearsay of what's gone on, uh, a lot of which um, is going along the uh, course of the pitot tubes and the uh, icing over of these tubes, which mm. uh, obviously display airspeed to uh, to the pilots. Um. A similar thing which happened to the Air France 447 flight, if you remember a few years back, 2009, mm. I think that was, uh, when the A330 Air France one uh, stalled uh, due to the, uh, the tubes freezing over and there was other things Gosh. that uh, constantly you know, helped to uh, bring down an aircraft. But, uh, mm. but no, let's hope they uh, recover all the bodies. And, I mean, I, th- um, I, th- I think it's fair to say, I mean, they were saying on, um, I-, I can't remember which article I was reading, but they... It was saying literally it's been the worst year for mm, aviation yeah. disasters since records began, basically. It's not been is, a good year. Uh, it's a shame. Yeah. It's yeah. a shame. It so is. moving on, the next story. Uh, next story is unfortunately not quite so catastrophic, I'm pleased to say, but this involves a Virgin Atlantic jet that landed safely with a uh, landing gear problem. This is on the BBC News website. A Virgin Atlantic passenger plane has landed safely at London's Gatwick Airport after discovering a problem with part of its landing gear. Uh, Virgin flight VS-43 with 447 passengers and 15 crew was travelling from Gatwick to Las Vegas when it had uh, when it had to return. The Boeing 747 circled over southern England for several hours dumping fuel before making a bumpy but safe landing just before 4 o'clock uh, Greenwich Mean Time. Gatwick's uh, runway reopened at 1903 after being closed uh, by the emergency. Uh, Budget airline EasyJet said 12 of its flights due to land at Gatwick on Monday had been diverted and 32 due to depart from the airport had been cancelled. In a statement, Gatwick Airport said the airport is now facilitating inbound and outbound flights but will take some time for normal service to resume. We advise passengers to check with their airlines on the status of their flights. Updates will also be posted on the Gatwick website and on Twitter. The statement said the airport was working with its airline partners to provide food, drink and welfare welfare facilities for those affected by the delays and cancellations and volunteers were helping to provide advice. Arriving flights have been diverted to other London airports whilst departing uh, aircraft were severely delayed while the Virgin jet was being uh, assessed on the runway. Circled Airport is the headline here. The 13-year-old aircraft had left Gatwick for the US at uh, 11.30 in the morning on the Monday. After detecting the problem, the aircraft needed to fly holding patterns over Devon and then Sussex to dump fuel in order to be light enough to land with the damaged gear. Before the successful conclusion to the incident, Virgin announced that the plane would be carrying out a non-standard landing procedure at Gatwick Airport. Now, I think it's safe to say um, that this is, I suppose this is a, where all the good training sort of is, is highlighted, I think, really, isn't it? Yeah, the pilot of that aircraft, David Williams, mm. uh, his name, he's 47 and a father of three, and uh, he uh, has been a pilot over 20 years mm. um, who was in the uh, command of the aircraft. 
and uh, he actually used to fly as well for Monarch Airlines between uh, ninety four and ninety eight. Right. Um, so what's the so basically had it had it not gone up or was it not coming down because they they just taken off hadn't they? Yeah, the gear uh, they had issues with the gear after takeoff. I think and they tried to uh, extend the gear back down again, and mm-hmm. uh, the particular side, the port side yeah. main undercarriage, didn't uh, come down and extend. Right. Um, but if you could see, if you, those of you who watch the videos on the news or watch the videos mm-hmm. on YouTube, because if you go on YouTube and um, yeah. and look for this, you'll find the videos, quite a few videos on there, some really high quality uh, mm-hmm. um, HD videos on there. And you'll see the aircraft um, listing quite uh, low on one side, on the side the undercarriage mm-hmm. didn't come down. Um, because these 747s, Matt, have uh, the main undercarriage, they have two, obviously one each side of the right. um uh, fuselage and the yeah. main gears. But there's also a central fu- uh, undercarriage as well, which comes down okay. so to take the load as well as right. just having yeah. two main ones. Yeah. They have a third sort of uh, central yeah. undercarriage. Well, obviously this one uh, obviously took a lot of the weight of the yeah. the uh, side that didn't come down. But okay. uh, but a good outcome from that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, obviously all the passengers uh, got off the aircraft using the air stairs yeah. and... Uh, that aircraft will probably be fixed and put back into service. Although thirteen years old, she's done well. She's yeah, done well. Absolutely. It's a good aircraft. It's a good art. Yeah, seven four seven four hundred. Very popular. Yeah, yeah. So next piece of news uh, yeah. is the Bristol Post, ah. and uh, this is uh, regarding the Airbus A three fifty. And the uh, headline is: New Airbus is the pinnacle of technology. Just over a hundred years ago, the modern aviation history was born in an aircraft hangar on the edge of Bristol. Filton has been at the centre of the multi-billion pound global industry ever since it has been the home to some of the most important innovations and developments in manned flight. And this week's uh, latest chapter was written in the long and distinguished history of Bristol aviation with the launch of the groundbreaking aeroplane, the A350. It's the latest plane to be launched by Airbus and is already being tipped to be complete or to completely change the face of aviation for generations to come. The plane, which has already been dubbed the Plastic Fantastic, was mostly <laughs> developed and designed in Bristol and is built almost exclusively from lightweight carbon fibre materials. The new airliner took 10 years to develop and manufacture uh, at an estimated cost of around £10 billion, largely as a result of delays and huge overspends. The revolutionary design means the A350 can fly further on less fuel, as a result is expected to uh, pave the way for smaller airports such as Bristol to compete against major European hubs including Heathrow, Amsterdam and Paris. Until now, Bristol Airport has been hamstrung by the size of its runway, but that is all about to change with the launch of the new Airbus A350. Unlike long-haul giants like the Boeing 747 and A380, the A350 will be able to use Bristol Airport and would have the ability to reach destinations as far away as America and the Far East and parts of Africa. Many experts are predicting that the technology will change the face of industry and put carbon fibre technology at the centre of the industry. This week, the first production A350 to roll off the line was handed over to Qatar Airways by Airbus at its main factory in Toulouse in southern France. Although the uh, ceremony took place hundreds of miles away, much of the uh, innovative work uh, (laughs) on the aerodynamics and the design of the new composite materials and systems was carried out in Filton. The new plane is Airbus's rival to Boeing's Dreamliner and is uh, expected to dominate the international market for many years to come. 
Fabrice Briget, the head of Airbus, was at the handover ceremony and he said that handing over the Airbus A350 represents a significant step in Airbus and aviation history. The A350 becomes the most modern aircraft in service, developed with our excellence established over 45 years in meeting customer needs. So that's some good news then there, uh, obviously, um, for Airbus. and Just before Christmas, there was a story about Airbus pulling, was it the A380 that they were taking out of service? Yeah, I think think they've decided, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that was kind of a... But I wonder um, if that's a prerequisite to to this announcement, if you see what I mean, that it's... You know the the new the new improved, if you like, um, offering from no. from Airbus. Do you? Think? I think I think what Airbus I think Airbus are going to do with a through a three eighty the big yeah. do- double decker one. I think they're going to offer a like I said a new engine option. They're going right. to re engine it, okay, and fine tune it to make it less um, okay. because airlines are still buying them. They're still yeah. buying the um, yeah. the A three eighty. So so this is I mean this this goes back to a feature that as I say that we we covered. Um, where uh, somebody had written in, hadn't they? Because they, they they know that we quite like to cover local airports and things yes. like this. Now, this, this is quite a, a, an interesting step forward because it basically means that much, much smaller air, airports with uh, shorter runways, runways basically yeah. uh, are going to be able to have you know long distance flights available from 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 their ports which is which, which is, is great news. really yeah yeah it'll save people from Bristol having to travel to Heathrow or Gatwick to, yeah well to and go along I suppose with. like again I, I keep saying Norwich only because that's the local airport to us meaning that may maybe yeah, yeah, at some yeah. point uh, long haul flights could be offered from Norwich. <laughs> that would be nice. That would be <laughs> that nice. Would be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, rather than having to go to Skip Holland and then. So it's uh, what one to watch, I think. Would uh, Would you like to uh, know the uh, list price of uh, the A three fifty eight hundred? Um, a couple of hundred. <laughs> actually, you're not far off. Oh, right. <laughs> it's actually at two hundred and sixty point nine million dollars. Wow. Uh, wow. For an eight hundred series A three fifty. Gosh. Um, which is good. It's is cheap. If you want the thousand, the one thousand version, there's they done. They've got three versions. They've got the eight hundred and nine hundred and the mm. thousand, and the the bigger sort of version, um, the A three fifty one thousand, will set you back three hundred and forty million uh, US dollars. So uh, I don't know if you've got any stats there, but uh, I mean, what's the average sort of passenger numbers for? I mean, obviously, I know it depends on. Uh, Configuration, but I mean, what would you say? Is... Well, the A three, the A three fifty eight hundred, yeah, uh, will seat two hundred and seventy passengers. Right. So that's quite a lot uh, with a nine abreast seating. So that's kind Lovely. of three, three an aisle, three, three an yeah. aisle, and then three. Wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that that can. Um, what well, I mean, that's that's quite revolutionary, then, isn't it? Really, because that's that that's quite high for sort of a small, you know, for, for smaller airports to be able to have. Long haul flights. That's quite cool. That's good. Yeah. Um, the size difference between the eight hundred and the not and the thousand because um, the eight hundred series is uh, is eighty point five meters. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, not eighty. Sorry, sixty point five meters, and the thousand series is seventy three point eight meters. So mm. it's kind of another thirteen meters stretched on the uh, thousand variant of the aircraft, but wow. uh, they are gonna. Um, they're going to be one one to watch, I think. Definitely the three fifties. Yeah. Um, I think they've had Airbus have had a lot less issues uh, than obviously than uh, Boeing, Boeing had yeah, with, with the Dreamliner. Dreamliner. Yeah. Um, well, but, I guess they're using more prove, proven technology. You know, perhaps it's it's more about because um, it mainly it was batteries, wasn't it? With the Dreamliner, yeah, they yeah, were struggling yeah. with with a new, with a new design. 
battery. But uh, okay, on well, to our next story then. Next story. Uh, this is in the Crawley News. I like this one. Yeah, no, this, because this is I, a bit, this is I a bit joined an, this. Oh, did you? Yes. <laughs> this is a bit of an and finally, really. But anyway, it, this is halfway through our, our news thing. So from the Crawley News, and the headline is, uh, Family arrive back at Gatwick Airport to be told they've won a £100,000 sports car. And it is a very nice looking car, it has to be said. It's a Mercedes of some kind. Uh, hopefully uh, all become clear in a moment. A family were given the best welcome home ever when they arrived back at Gatwick Airport to find they won a £100,000 super sports car. Wow. The Fitzpatrick family had just stepped off a nine-hour flight from Mexico when they were told the news and taken to their new Mercedes SLS. Oh, that's very, very nice. Dad Tony had bought tickets for a, a competition just days before flying out on holiday. Having been uh, given the keys to the SLS, they were told then that they were that they were able to upgrade it. The car they had actually won is a Mercedes AMG GT, but it isn't available yet in this country, so they were given the SLS to be getting on with. Oh, what to be getting on with? <laughs> you know, muddling on, I suppose. The Fitzpat- Mr. Fitzpatrick, who uh, didn't own a car previously due to working and living in London, said, I'm so shocked. I saw a sign with my name on it um, by one of the competition team who was waiting for his arrival, but it didn't register. Uh, they are six hours behind us in Mexico and it was uh, a nine-hour flight and I'd only had about an hour's sleep. So I was a little bit of a daze when it was all so surreal. What a lovely story. I know. Do you know this is one of the things that I'd done a few years back now when we flew through Stansted and yeah. um, the this company had one of their stands. They have the stands at Gatwick right. Heathrow, Stansted, yeah. all the big airports. And... Uh, they're they're not cheap, you know. You, right. I think you you buy, you buy a ticket, sort of a, t- a tenner, okay. tenner for a ticket, Gosh. Um, to to be, have a chance of winning the car. But uh, uh, my wife has always said, "Don't waste your money. That's a waste <laughs> of money. Don't do it. you never win. You never never." But that this is, just this is just the worst impression of Gemma ever. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> my, my my wife will kill me now. Um, no, that's all right. She won't. She doesn't listen. It's no, fine. I know she doesn't. <laughs> I better not play this back. Um, but the, I, I brought a ticket, and it just this just goes to show that you can actually win a car. Yes. Um, because a lot of people do think, well, no one ever wins that. That's rubbish. Yeah. Um, but just just reading on here, the, the car that they have, they're actually winning, that uh, Mercedes AMG GT, yes. is uh, has a list price starting at ninety seven thousand pounds. me, right? Okay, careful. We suddenly turned into Top Gear here. Oh right? dear, that's that's uh, that's not the, that's not cheap. Oh, no. oh dear, how lovely. Uh, but anyway, moving swiftly on Indeed, yes, to some more yes. aviation-related yes. news. Um, so this uh, story is on the CH Aviation site, and uh, it's regarding Jet Two, and uh, they're to use Air Asia um, Ooh, X really? A330 300s <laughs> for Manchester summer flights. Right, uh, Jet Two. Uh, the Leeds Bradford based uh, airline are going to wet lease an Airbus A330 300, uh, reported to be registration 9 Mike X ray X ray Mike uh, from Air Asia X uh, for the upcoming winter season, uh, as previously reported by CH Aviation. Based on analysis of scheduled data, the aircraft will be based at Manchester International between May the 20th and September the 28th and operate to Palma de Mallorca, uh, Saint Juan, three times weekly uh, to Dalaman and Tenerife, and twice weekly as well uh, on a, a weekly service to Bodrum and Lanzarote and Paphos. Well, I don't know if I fancy flying that all the way from Kuala Lumpur to to, <laughs> to uh, Leeds, though. <laughs> oh, for the, the delivery flight, yeah. I mean, yes. They're going to use this on... Um, 
used us on what was on, on quite a, a normal sort of holiday passenger packed passenger sort of flight right to de- these sorts of destinations as summer sort of destinations mm. but jet to uh, a kind of a low cost um, based uh, carrier um, from Leeds uh, from Leeds Bradford Airport which is where their base is and um, they uh, fly to 65 destinations uh, throughout Europe um, and they're quite uh, quite an up and coming airline jet to uh, you'll probably see those um, quite a lot on flight radar and stuff flying around. Mm. Um, but they were founded in 2002, Jet 2. Gosh. But they have got quite a, a large fleet. They've got 56 aircraft in their fleet, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of which are some quite older aircraft, the yeah. 75s and uh, uh, Boeing as well. Yeah, operating 211 different routes as well. It's good, it's good. Yeah. So moving on Indeed, to our yes. next story. Okay, United Airlines plane. This is in the Daily Mail, or the Mail Online, sorry. So it's the United Airlines captain aborts transatlantic journey and diverts to Heathrow for additional de-icing just 90 minutes after taking off from Brussels. Um, Right, okay, so this is a United Airlines plane. Uh, aborted its transatlantic journey and diverted to London today uh, because the flight crew apparently wasn't satisfied with the de-icing effort it received in Brussels. Oops. Uh, the Boeing 777-200 uh, was flying from Brussels Airport to Washington DC when it turned around and landed at Heathrow Airport at 1.20 in the afternoon, less than 90 minutes after its departure. A Heathrow spokesman told Mail Online Travel that the aircraft diverted to Europe's busiest airport for additional de-icing. Um, A spokesman for um, uh, United Airlines said that the plane was carrying 227 passengers and 14 crew when it landed in order to deal with a mechanical issue. Shortly after the plane landed, the spokesman said our maintenance team is currently inspecting the aircraft. We are making arrangements for our customers to complete their journeys. The spokesman added, we regret any inconvenience experienced by our customers. A flight radar map showed the plane flying south of Swindon Swindon before turning round over Wales and flying over Bristol. It then flew south over Reading and circled over Surrey before landing at Heathrow. During the de-icing process, chemicals are sprayed onto a plane's surface to remove snow, ice or frost and prevent a build-up that can disrupt a plane's airflow and threaten a safe takeoff so this is uh, i suppose probably what is it was well, a good thing i suppose really so somebody they've obviously spotted something isn't quite right i mean mm. I, I don't know if i'd fancy being you know the head of head of maintenance at brussels right now though no there's i'm uh, just reading online it's, there's various different fluids they use for de-icing aircraft yeah and uh, they have to be used in the correct way yeah uh, for the procedure to work properly okay um obviously de-icing of aircraft especially yeah. in icy conditions is yeah. very very important indeed um, because ice on the wings on any aircraft, yeah. um, even the aircraft that I'm learning to fly in, yeah. is not good and uh, disrupts the airflow over the wings. Right. And, uh, can More cause, resistance, I suppose. Yes, it can yeah. cause very nasty things to happen, uh, as have happened in past crashes, mm-hmm. such as the Air Florida um, yeah. Flight 90 flight in uh, uh, in the States many years ago. Um, but it's it's not a good thing. And like we said, this this air, this. Uh, Pilot obviously thought, you know, yeah, something isn't right. No, yeah. and, so radio uh, to Heathrow for some yeah. help, yeah, which is good. 
that's good. Well, I mean, that's that's why, with the exception of the year just passed, I mean, that is why, you know, flight is the safest way to travel, isn't mm. it? We're, we're, we're yet to have any snow here at all no, uh, on the east no. coast of England. Uh, no. We've had no snow at all. Actually, no, there was some on Boxing Day, sort Did of we? Norwich area. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. see any of that. Oh, lots of people. Oh, you know what it's like, Facebook and mm. snow. I mean, yes. there's pictures all over the place, It's uh, but, which was a little nerve-wracking because we were travelling back from Essex um, at the time, and so we, we literally followed the coast, actually, just to, just basically because it's all, you know tends to be. They had some up the north coast. though. They had plenty oh, yeah, of snow up north. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, we didn't yeah. get any here. No shame. No. So moving on then, next yes. story uh, on the Telegraph website, and this is something, funnily enough, that I knew about straight yes, away we, we were talking when it was about happening. This morning, yes, yeah, your, one of your marvelous apps. Yes, uh, for those of you who uh, use the amazing apps of uh, Flight Radar Twenty Four or Plane Finder on your phone, you'll know that um, those of you who have them set up to have a warning, an audible warning for uh, emergency squawks, um, will know that uh, obviously your phone pings. I'm like, there's a boom noise. And uh, I was sitting there the other day and heard this noise and um, the other evening, I should say, and sort of picked up on this flight that was squawking 7700 emergency. Right. Okay. So, it's, uh, sorry, <laughs> novice here. What do you mean by that? So, what's uh, aircraft uh, are, d- are given a, a squawk code when they're right. in flight by okay. uh, air traffic control, and okay. um, there's certain codes that are uh, are only used in situations such as radio failures okay. and emergencies, okay. hijackings, and stuff. Right. And uh, the the pilot has a little sort of control panel next to him, and he can scroll these numbers, okay. a little set of numbers, and should he enter. 7700. Right. It then immediately sends a signal out saying, I'm in trouble. I'm having issues. Right. Okay. Um, and this obviously happened with this particular flight, uh, okay. which was an EasyJet flight. Right. And uh, it was declaring an emergency, a flight from Geneva to Manchester. Uh, and it landed at London Stansted. And uh, it was all due to a medical emergency. Um, the flight had been forced to divert after declaring the emergency on board the aircraft. Flight EZY1954 from Geneva to Manchester landed at London Stansted at around 10.30pm on Monday, just under two hours after it set off from the Swiss airport of Geneva. A spokesman for EasyJet said that the early indications were that a passenger had suffered a medical emergency on board. It's understood that the medical condition is not (laughs) Ebola-related. The spokesman said EasyJet can confirm that flight EZY1954 from Geneva to Manchester diverted to Stansted due to a passenger on board requiring emergency urgent medical assistance. The safety and well-being of our passengers and crew is EasyJet's highest priority and they apologise for any experience, uh, inconvenience experienced due to the diversion and resulting delay. Mm. Now, we were um, talking before we started this, actually, because... Um, uh, Carl obviously had spotted this this particular news story, and you were saying at one point because uh, they they were at the usual altitude, which is roughly what uh, this this aircraft when I first picked up on it when it first pinged yeah. was at thirty five thousand feet, right. just coming over okay. France. Now, one of the stats on your 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 app you were saying actually oh, right, indicates yeah. um, how. Uh, uh, how rapidly it's descending. Essentially. Yeah, the uh, you can see the the, um, the the actual speed or descent vertical speed per minute, feet per minute. Wow. Uh, tells you 
obviously if it's in minus figures it's right. telling you the aircraft it's, descending, it's descending yeah. uh, at some points this aircraft when i was watching it on my phone was uh, had a vertical speed of minus 5000 feet per minute Goodness which me. is which is quite a, a quite a good <laughs> descent died, basically. Um, i mean initially i thought it was uh, it was down to uh, decompression because you get you do get a lot of um, a decompression issues where right. um, they lose pressure in aircraft obviously descend to a lower altitude to uh, this is cabin um, pressure ma- yeah. yeah cabin yeah. pressure to make it easy for people to breathe right um but obviously this one as the news said turned out to be a medical emergency and the reason they had to, to uh, get down quick was obviously because they were still at cruise yeah essentially because they're traveling to manchester right which was right at the top end of the uk mm-hmm. um but obviously to get down into stanstead because they of where to, they were because yeah. of where they, they had to lose height quickly so that's Gosh. why yes but, look at looking at the map actually as you say they're literally flying over the east coast as you say so it's like when when the when the ping went off um, uh, round about sort of brain, they were sort of round Colchester Braintree area when the mm. ping went off. So they had to literally sort of nosedive. They really weren't very far away from Stansted at all. But, hence the rapid descent. Hence right, yes. Yeah. But uh, they got into Stansted, and uh, luckily it was all uh, all uh, all all good and, and okay. no, no bad news. We should there, just say so. that that story was actually taken from the Telegraph. It was yes, yes, the Telegraph. So next story then. Okay, this is in the Guardian. Now this is something we've talked about before, haven't we? Lots of times, Matt. Oh, is is this drone drones. drone time? Is it? Oh, no. <laughs> okay, so in the Guardian, this is photojournalist arrested after filming with a drone near Gatwick Airport. Um, a freelance jo- uh, photojournalist who carries out aerial photography work using a flying drone was acu- uh, has accused police officers of dangerous behaviour after they arrested him while he was filming near Gatwick Airport and attempted to land the drone themselves. Eddie Mitchell, who works for a range of organisations, including the BBC, said that he was uh, released with no further action after he was held for hours following his arrest while gathering imagery relating to um, a fatal fire near Lingfield. Mitchell, a trained drone pilot who is also one of the few journalists with approval from the Civil Aviation Authority to commercially operate small unmanned aircraft, SUAs, uh, said that he'd... uh, he did not need to advise air traffic control as he was operating a drone weighing under seven kilograms at the time. I identified myself to the police officers at the scene, and they said that I would be putting uh, uh, and I said that I'd be putting a drone up. Twenty minutes later, whilst I was flying it, a sergeant arrived and shouted, "Get the drone down now!" I said that I couldn't talk uh, as I had it in the air. All three of them then came at me, ripped the controller from my hands, and slapped cuffs on me. All three of them tried to bring it down. They were uh, passing the controller between themselves, but it was all over the place. He added that the drone uh, was eventually brought back to the ground with a thud, but after it, it co- but uh, after it, it completed what he described as some dangerous manoeuvres. Mitchell, who trades under the name of Aerial News, said that uh, the officers uh, from Surrey Police told him uh, that he was that he was being arrested for a breach of the peace. He said that he was released after nearly five hours in custody with no further action taken. However, his drone was still in the possession of Surrey Police. He intends to lodge complaints with the Independent Police Complaints Commission and the CAA this week. Now... This is actually a slightly unusual story in the fact that this gentleman, obviously, he's actually done it properly, hasn't he? So he's got clearance mm. uh, to use um, these drones in certain certain places. Um, now, I've actually seen a lot of this this guy's work 
uh, ironically. He does, as it says earlier in the story, he actually does a lot of stuff for the BBC. And quite often, if you're a Top Gear fan uh, like I am, mm. a lot of the aerial shots that they use are actually done by this this guy because um, his drone has got like one of the most um, high-powered um, HD cameras wow. uh, on it and he quite often does the aerial shots and he uh, you know all over the uh, the world I, I'll, I'll have, I'd have to check it up but I'm pretty sure he was involved in the, the Christmas special one that uh, in oh, Argentina yeah. where uh, uh, things didn't go well for the Top Gear team <laughs> I'm yet to say. watch that actually oh have you not yeah, oh no, you're in for a treat the, the second one especially is is, is is harrowing. Oh, mega! I'll yeah, watch that, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now as I say, this I actually feel sorry for this guy because he's one of the few people who's actually doing it properly, and he's mm. registered himself with the CAA, and clearly he knows what he's doing. So he won't be flying the drone in in civil aviation. You know, he won't be flying it in airspace. And if he is, then obviously he's he's clearly informing the correct channel. So unfortunately, it sounds like a bit of an overreaction by um by um the sort of Surrey police. Really, I think I think. Many of the institutions are yet to warm to to uh, unmanned right. aerial vehicles or yeah. drones. Okay, um, I think this is going to be something that's going, to, that's going to be talked about for for the next year. Yeah, um, but no. If for for those of you listening as well, don't forget if you want to find out some more information on drones, there's a, a brilliant podcast you can download. Hmm. It's uh, done by Max Flight and David Vanderhoff of the uh, Airplane hmm. Geeks podcast. They do a UAV digest. Uh, podcast each week and they do like a mini sort of 30 minute podcast each week and they talk about nothing but drones uavs um unmanned aerial vehicles uh you can you can download their show via itunes like the same as you can our show okay yeah so next story then moving swiftly on and this one's on flight global's Hmm. website and uh, Japan presses Boeing to redesign the 787 battery. Oh. Uh, this story came out just before the new year, uh, right at the end of the year uh, 2014, uh, just a few days ago. And the Japan Civil Aviation Authority uh, has released a new report calling for Boeing to redesign the lithium-ion batteries aboard the 787 Dreamliner that are responsible for the three cell venting events since January 2013. Airlines should adopt the design changes which will be prepared by Boeing and implement them as soon as possible, says the uh, Japan Civil Aviation Authority report dated the 19th of December this uh, just last year. The uh, JCAB called for the battery to redesign despite determining that two of the three protective layers from uh, a May 2013 battery redesign worked as intended and the safety of the aircraft was never at risk during the incident on the 14th of January 2014. However, public concerns may still linger about the two cell venting incidents the year before that triggered a four-month ongoing ground or grounding of the 787 fleet, an English translation of the GCA, uh, JCAB report says. It considered that for keeping peace of mind for the passengers and the public, Uh, people on the safety of the Boeing 787 fleet, further improvements of the reliability for cells and battery systems are necessary, the report says. The JCAB wants uh, Boeing to assess all of the potential causes identified in the three 787s and then accelerate making possible design changes followed by an early certification process. The JCAB's call for a second battery redesign goes beyond the recommendations from uh, two previous investigations about the 2013 battery instance by the Japan Transportation Safety Board, the JTSB, and the US National uh, Transportation Safety Board, the NTSB. The report also pushes 
uh, for... Um, lost my place here. The report as it pushes for more action there than Boeing has so far acknowledged uh, is necessary. Um, I mean, this is something that's been ongoing now for quite a few years, the, the yeah. battery issues. Um, I mean, they, they've never really released a definitive reason as to why exactly 100% these um, battery issues started in the first place. What little I know about battery technology, if a battery is doing this battery vent as they're saying, because these are, I think that what's causing the the confusion is, is they they're sort of basically using an updated version of what they call a nickel hydride um, cell, uh, which is the sort of cell that you have in your mobile phone, um, that sort of battery. And in my experience, the only reason that they tend to do that is if they are overheating, and they're usually overheating because too much is being pulled from that battery at the time. So. Now, they 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 call they call it a runaway, right? Um, with these batteries, okay. These one of the, the few of the cells overheat, yeah. and catch fire. Oh gosh! Um, and you don't want that on an aeroplane. No, not <laughs> at all. Uh, one of the fixes that Boeing implemented was obviously a redesign of the battery pack itself, okay, and a venting system that would vent any um, fire or any smoke out of the aircraft through right. through a venting system. Okay. Um, but, but but surely they need to solve the reason why that battery is overheating in the first yes, place. Yes, isn't that would be isn't good. is that? Am I making this too simple? No, no, no. no that's <laughs> true. That's true. It, it's never really been. You know, you know I mean, they've re- released reports and about the batteries and, and fixes and and stuff like that. Yeah. But they've. I mean, it, it, I think they they done it. It was initially just because you know the new battery is supposed to be really better, a lot better, yeah. and stuff like that. But God, if it was me, I think I'd just go back to using normal. <laughs> you know, well, I mean, a few AAA uh, batteries. To be fair, there may be a reason why they can't do that, which yeah. is, well, I mean, one of the advantages about the nickel hydride battery is the fact that you can, you know, they, uh, you have smaller, more, more they're smaller, but there's there's also more power available for longer before mm. it dies. Mm. Um, now, presumably, when the aircraft is in the plane, power is less of an issue than you'd think. Um, mm. So I don't know. They just uh, am I making it too simple? Don't they just need to make the battery bigger? I mean, I know, or have I know, but you know, we're <laughs> we're not talking very much weight, and it's probably better to add a. Oh, I don't know. I, I obviously don't know enough about uh, uh, what the actual issue we'll is. We'll leave that and for unfor- your homework. Yeah, indeed. Yes, thanks. <laughs> uh, and clearly, unfortunately, Boeing are being a little bit tight-lipped about um, the actual. I don't think we know. I don't think we're being in, given the information as to what the actual cause is. But um, this is ongoing. Yeah, but, indeed, uh, indeed. I mean, t- touch wood, and I'm just touching the kitchen table leg there. Come in. Uh, yes. You oh, know, <laughs> they've, 2014 wasn't a too bad a year, for instance, with the Dreamliner. I, mean, hmm. I think yeah. they're, they're starting to kind of iron out the creases. Well, and this say. problem doesn't actually prevent the plane from functioning, does it? It is a, it is a, an ancillary system, isn't it? That, yeah. That, that is, uh, the plane can still function perfectly well yeah. without that that system. It's not a critical system, if you like. I'm yet to fly on one. That's oh, that's my that's my last sort of I want to right um, at the moment is to um, to go on a Dreamliner. Um, oh dear! Hopefully, I'll sort that out for this uh, this oh, year. Right. This year's holiday. Yeah, this yes. year's holiday. Okay. I'll, uh... <laughs> so, last story then, and yep. it's a top ten because we do love we do love a top a ten, top 10 on the show. We do said, love a top yes. ten. Um, so this one, Matt. What's okay, this one? I'll just give you the the, the, the premise to it uh, first of all. This is from uh, the Quartz website, and it's QZ.com. Uh, and the bragging rights are that Heathrow is no longer 
the world's busiest, busiest no! international hub. Terrible news, terrible news. Um, so uh, it's uh, for a city that revels in uh, su- superlatives. Uh, Dubai is uh, now now has another one it can brag about after months and months of anticipation. Because we have talked about this before, haven't we? These uh, yeah, yeah. busy airport. Yeah, uh, D- Dubai is officially home to the world's busiest airport. For international passenger traffic, according wow. to data from the Airports Council International. So, in true proper Britpop style, and uh, plain talking UK our style, love of, our love of top tens. Top tens. We'll, we'll, we'll start then, please, Carlos, if you wouldn't mind, with number 10. So, in at number 10, it's Istanbul's Aturk Airport. And they have a total international passenger number of 36.9 million passengers. Number nine. So at number nine, it's Bangkok International Airport. And they have a a total international passenger of 37 million. Good heavens. Uh, Number eight. So at number eight, it's... Incheon International Airport. I've no idea where that is. Uh, Incheon International Airport has uh, 43.5 million passengers. Matt's just looking to find out where, where Incheon Airport, Incheon International Airport. Number seven. So at number seven, it's Frankfurt. And Frankfurt can boast 52.6 million passengers. At number six. At number six, it's Singapore Shangi Airport, and they have 53.3 million passengers. Number five. At number five, it's Amsterdam Airport, and that's the Schiphol Airport, Amsterdam, and that's 54.3 million passengers. Number four. At number four, Paris Charles de Gaulle Airport, and they have managed 58.1 million passengers. Number three. At number three, it's Hong Kong International Airport, and God, I thought this would have been number one. It's 61.9 million passengers. And then obviously with our last two, London Heathrow we know now is uh, only second. Yeah, London Uh, Heathrow has managed to 67.8 million. Dubai International Airport has got some. Well, it's, it's not much more than than Heathrow. I mean, it's. I mean, they're making this big claim. I mean, it's, it's only a few people. Well, it's only a million. I mean, what's a million these days? <laughs> you know, but boasting sixty eight point nine million international uh, international passengers. passengers. Yeah. That's a terrifying number, really, isn't it? And just uh, for those that are interested, the Incheon International Airport is based in Seoul. Seoul. Yeah. Oh, that's Korea. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this was based uh, over the 12 months ending September of 2014. Yeah, wow. Okay, well, that wraps up the news that for does. this week then. Yes. Uh, does that mean it's coffee time? It does. It oh, means it's coffee hurrah. time. So we're going to take a break for some coffee and we're going to come back with a few uh, uh, military aviation news stories after this. And we've got a few uh, uh, the air shows for the, for the start, the few air shows for the start of the, uh, this year's season information as well. Cool. And the usual banter from me and Matt. <laughs> so uh, join us back after this. Aviation media has long been the domain of the newspapers and magazines. Well, not anymore. I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm Grant McCarran, and we're bringing aviation right into your radio. Yes, we're making aviation cool and interesting for everyone. Hang on, aviation's always been cool. Check this out. How cool is this? Grant, Grant, turn that down. 
Here at Plane Crazy Down Under, we've got pilots, engineers, air traffic controllers, industry leaders, even politicians dropping by to talk to us about the amazing world of aviation right here in Australia and occasionally in New Zealand as well. Wow, that's cooler than I thought, mate. Find us at planecrazydownunder.com, on iTunes, or lurking about on other people's podcasts just like this one. We've got crazy accents and lots of great aviation content. And we promise not to talk about the cricket. No, never. Not the cricket. Quack, 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 quack. <laughs> what is cricket anyhow? Something we win a lot. Oh, there oh. we go. <laughs> Was, that one was quite uh, low to the ground, actually. You're right there. No, no, I know. You've got a funny colour. That's one of my. That's one of my favourite sound fillings. That is. That's the. I think he needs to be alone. I know. That's the. That's the Rolls Royce RB211. Oh right. Okay. Gorgeous sound. <laughs> so we've uh, we've both had a. Uh, we've both got a cup of tea. Indeed. Yes. Good old English tea. Well, that's the joys of being English. That is. Yes. Uh, so we're going to have. Uh, we've got a few stories of military news. Yep. So if you're ready, Matt. Uh, ready as I'll ever be. Let's go. So let's kick off with some military aviation news. Do you want to take the first one? Yeah, certainly. So this is Flight Global as per usual when it comes to the military side of things. Uh, Headline is V-22 demonstrates forward-firing missile capability. The Bell Boeing V-22 Osprey, which is my favourite helicopter, it has to be said, because it it looks like a hybrid. If you've (laughs) you've looked at the picture, it looks like it could be a plane, it could be a helicopter. Nobody really knows. Uh, (laughs) uh, Anyway, it's flown a collective 250,000 hours much of it in combat, but only recently have engineers successfully tested forward-firing offensive and defensive weapons on the tilt-rotor aircraft. The unprecedented speed and range of the V-22 has extended the reach of marine expeditionary units and uh, special operations forces, but the aircraft also routinely outrun their armed escorts, the Bell AH-1 Cobra attack helicopter. Because the Offspray has no defensive weapons, uh, but uh, it must either slow to allow the Cobras to catch up. Oh dear, <laughs> that's not really the way forward. Is it to get there? Oh, hang on a minute. I'm going to wait for the backup. Um, <laughs> uh, performance missions without defences, but the aircraft's unique tilt-rotor configuration disallows uh, waste-mounted uh, weaponry because of the risk of hitting the rotors, the rotors sorry, in forward flight. Bell Helicopter recently demonstrated a firing a missile from the aircraft, a capability that was sought since the Osprey's 2007 initial deployment. Uh, two launches of the Raython BGM-176B Griffin B missile were successfully conducted at Yuma Proving Ground, Proving Ground in Arizona in December. The industry-funded effort to have uh, organically arm the Offspray demonstrated the simplicity of integrating the Griffin B missile onto the V-22 platform, Raython says. In uh, another test, 
an advanced precision kill weapon system, APKWS rocket pod, was mounted to the left forward fuselage of the aircraft. There were no noted impacts to aircraft control, said uh, Bell spokesman Andy Woodward. Uh, for avionics, this was a uh, federated system that was able to function without modifying any aircraft software. How much weight is added to the aircraft depends on what weapon is carried, but Bell demonstrated the ability to carry more than 300 pounds on either side of the forward fuselage, Woodward has said. The weapons were uh, aimed and fired by the pilots with additional controls and displays added to the cockpit, he said. Bell uh, Bell flight test crews scored direct hits with one of the missiles uh, each uh, from hover mode and during uh, conversion mode while flying at 110 knots, 203 kilometers per hour. Rathan says the missile's off-axis launching uh, capability will allow the aircraft to engage targets not directly in its flight path as well. The forward firing demonstration was a great success. Vince Tobin, Vice Vice President and Programme Manager for the Bell Boeing V-22, said in a statement, we've shown the V-22 can be armed with a variety of forward-facing munitions and can hit their targets with a high degree of reliability. Congratulations to the team who have worked uh, from initial design to completion of this demonstration. Well, I was just looking online, Matt, while you were reading that. And the AGM-176 Griffin um, is a lightweight precision kinetic effects munition developed by uh, Raytheon. Uh, It's been designed to be launched from the ground as an air rocket or powered uh, missile or dropped from the air as a guided bomb um, as a precision precision low collateral damage. Yeah, it's um, quite an awesome bit of kit. It's... uh, it's quite light. It only weighs forty-five pounds, which is twenty kilos. Not a lot, really. Um, with the launch tube, yeah. uh, it's forty-two inches long mm-hmm. and has a blast fragmentation warhead, and yeah. is propelled by a solid fuel rocket, and has an operational range um, fired from the air yeah. of twelve and a half miles, and is guided by laser uh, GPS or INS uh, system. Gosh. Which is which is amazing, and the advanced precision kill weapon system, which you mentioned, the APKWS, yes. uh, is a laser guided uh, missile, which is compatible with existing Hydra seventy unguided rocket launchers and components in service. Um, which is another one you talked about them trying there. Yeah. Um, and they're all very expensive. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean this is great. I mean if they can, uh, if they can obviously fit these two, as you said, the V twenty two. At least the, the the aircraft itself is going to have some form of yes, and it has uh, protection, and it can't rush to the scene. It doesn't have to rush to the scene and then wait for everyone else to catch him up. It kind of defeats the object of of having the thing in in, in operation in the first place. I, tell, <laughs> I, I hope I hope that this year, because um, I'm in the process of uh, researching for Riat this year, yeah. um, hoping that you you can come to Riat this year. Yeah, hopefully. Um, and see some of these wonderful aircraft that uh, that the military do have. Cool, yeah. So on. next story is uh, Flight Global again, and uh, this is regarding uh, the MQ-8C uh, flying from a U.S. Navy destroyer. Uh, right. Now, the U.S. Navy's new Northrop Grumman MQ-8C Fire Scout unmanned air vehicle has been flown at sea for the first time. 
carrying out 22 takeoffs and precision landings from the destroyer, the USS Jason Dunham. The aircraft was delivered to the United States Navy at the beginning of December and following 12 months of land-based testing at Point Magoo, California, which led on to the dynamic interface testing that will help clear the aircraft routine shipboard operations. The MQ-8C Fire Scout flights from the USS Dunham represent a significant Navy milestone, says Captain Jeff Dodge, Fire Scout Program Manager at Naval Air Systems Command. This is the first sea-based flight of the MQ-8C and the first time an unmanned helicopter has operated from a destroyer. George George Vardulakis, there we go, Vice President for short, yes, George, uh, the Vice President for Medium Range Technical Systems at Northrop Grumman, adds that these dynamic interface tests are essential part in clearing the operational envelope of the system and are proving the system's availability ability to operate off any air capable ship. We are on track to validate all of the critical performance parameters of this Navy asset and are ready for the system for deployment as um, uh, operational use. Blimey, this T is ruining me. (laughs) (laughs) The MQ-8C derives from the Bell Helicopter 407 Mm. and has a 12-hour endurance and a range of 150 nautical miles, which is 278 kilometers and a payload capacity of some 318 kilos or 700 pounds. Now you can see the pictures in front of you here, Matt. Mm. This this is just this is this is the Bell helicopter, but with no windows, which is a bit weird. Which is kind it of strange to, to yeah. look at, actually. Yeah, isn't it, it is. It looks like a fly. It, yeah, it does actually. <laughs> it looks like a yeah. It's uh, it's a uh, well, it's, it's essentially a, a massive drone, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. It's a, it's a helicopter that's had the pilots taken out, yeah. had the windows. Yeah. Grayed up. Yeah. Um, why didn't you, you get me one of those for Christmas? That would have been amazing. God, blimey. <laughs> <laughs> you could just destroy all the uh, yes, coach competition yes, on the roads there. That's it, yes, oh, yes. Blimey. Yes, there's only one coach company left, and that's because the others have been destroyed. destroyed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, our penultimate story then. Uh, this is Flight Global again, and it's Boeing completes first flight of the new freighter and tanker. Boeing, on the 28th of December, completed a three-hour, 32-minute flight of the Boeing 7672C prototype that will be modified to become the first U.S. Air Force KC-46A tanker. The first takeoff of the 767, powered with a Pratt & Whitney PW4062 engines, Uh, from Boeing's wide-body final assembly centre in Everett, Washington, comes nearly three months behind schedule as the contractor announced a $272 million forward loss uh, on the programme in July due to problems installing the wiring harnesses. It uh, also occurs weeks ahead uh, of a pending uh, competition between the KC-46 and the Airbus A330MRTT for a South Korean tender for four new tankers. Boeing's fixed-price $4.4 billion development contract with the United States Air Force uh, leaves little room for further delays. Within the next 32 months, Boeing is required to complete airworthiness certification of the commercial 7672C military certification of the KC-46A's refuelling systems and delivery of the first 18 operational aircraft. Uh, Although the United States Air Force awarded Boeing a $4.4 million, uh, $4.4 million, billion, sorry, 
dollar contract in 2011 the deal allows the contractor to recoup another 500 million dollars in additional expenses boeing has already absorbed the overrun and reported the 272 million dollar forward loss the 7672c2c is a new commercial uh, derivative that combines the fuselage of the 767200er wings uh, the wings from the 767-300, the stabilizers from the 767-400ER, and the cockpit displays from the 787. Boeing is offering the aircraft for sale to commercial operators, but so far has received no orders. The commercial aircraft will be converted into a military tanker, and transport military systems include a fly-by-wire refueling boom modelled on the McDonnell Douglas uh, KC-10 boom design. A remote aerial refueling operator station wing aerial refueling pods and military electronics so um it's fair to say it's a troubled uh, build i think hmm. uh, being so far behind uh do you think do you think they'll make the deadline i think it might fall a little bit short but i, yeah. I, I mean they, they, they've, got, they've got to build 18 of these things within that time frame but they're looking. I'm you know, just reading on another story on another similar story for this aircraft they're yeah. um hoping to deliver the first of 18 yeah. of these by August 2017. Gosh. Um, yeah. But it is, like we said, it's based on the 767-200, yeah. uh, which is an awesome passenger aircraft. Yeah. Um, flown yeah. on once. I've flown on one of these. It's worth mentioning as well that the debut flight of this particular uh, hybrid, I suppose, is, is the best way to describe it, was originally scheduled uh, for January of, of uh, 2014, but uh, mm. has uh, now pl- has now been planned for April of this year. So it's, uh, I suppose, in the scheme of things, it's not a, I suppose, 18 months is not a massive. I'd love to see the uh, flight deck of this because really? I mean I've I've seen well, the flight what, what, with the, the, the with the seven eight seven yeah yeah because yeah, you've got obviously the seven eight seven is awesome with the big panel displays yeah. you know the glass displays it's just a load yeah. of iPads that's all it is <laughs> <laughs> bit more technical than an iPad <laughs> although although as we have talked about yes, before yeah, they, yeah. The pilots the are using manuals. iPads yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. flight manuals basically are just using them as glorified books you could do it on a Kindle let's be honest but anyway. <laughs> I've got one of those. Have you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Other uh, reading devices are, are available. available. Is, oh, yeah. books. <laughs> oh, yes. Books. Yes. Paper ones. Yes. Paper Don't ones. buy the electronic ones. You put Carlos out of work. Yeah. And my keep friend. keep yeah. me in work and yeah. buy books. Yeah. You and Geordie would be an awful lot of yeah, trouble. My, yeah. my best friend would be in a lot of trouble if it weren't for people not buying plastic uh, papery books. I love. Anyway. Anyway. Less about my job. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Uh, uh, moving um, on. Yes. Last story then. Flight Global. Last one then uh, for today. And. Turkish Air Force received their second A400M. The Turkish Air Force has taken delivery of its second of an eventual 10 A400M Atlas Tactical Transports from Airbus, Defence and Space, with the aircraft having been transferred to Kayseri Air Force Base early this month. The production aircraft, MSN-13, completed its acceptance flight at Airbus's San Pablo production site in Seville, Spain, on the 22nd of December. The company announced via Twitter the transfer follows that of the first Turkish Air Force example to Kasiri in April 2014. The latest delivery means Airbus has now delivered a total of 10 A400Ms to four customers. France accepted its sixth example on the 12th of December, while the Air Forces of Germany and the UK each uh, received their first examples in recent weeks. A total of 174 A400M Atlas transports are on order for the nations, 
plus launch partners of Belgium, Luxembourg and Spain and its export customer Malaysia, uh, Kuala Lumpur, is due to take delivery of its first four aircraft, MSN-22, in the first quarter of 2015. Wow. Once again, these air- aircraft are proving to be extremely uh, popular for Airbus mm. um, as a uh, as a you know a tactical kind of uh, transport aircraft and they do look awesome <laughs> I really do think so um, Matt is yet to see one uh, up Not, close yeah yeah uh, but when you see it up close Matt you'll love it you'll absolutely love it it's such a looking from the front right um, they are really quite stunning I, I do I tell you what I do happen I do love grey <laughs> Right. Military grey. I just—it's not the most um, alluring of colour. No, I just—I don't know. It just looks so sort of, um, you know, hard and work working. Right. A very okay. good working yeah. colour. But uh, military aircraft, because all, mili- mili- all nearly all military aircraft are painted in this in this grey colour. I suppose it's handy if you get a scratch. It's easy to touch up. Easy to touch up, rather than having a metallic purple yeah, or something. Yeah, absolutely. That's the biggest problem. I don't know why cars aren't grey. Really, all the same uniform colour, and then when you do scratch it down the side of a post. <laughs> no, cars cars should be all all mud colour. Right. Then you never have okay. to wash them. Yeah, but they. You see, you see, I know we had a black car, and it was actually far worse at showing the showing mud than it was a white car. You know. Oh right. So we're going to do uh, a bit then now of uh, some air show news. So the air show season uh, is due to start around about April time. Yes, this, uh, this year, and uh, kicking off in April two thousand fifteen, we've got on the third to the 5th of April. Yeah. We've got the Festival of Power yep. at Santa Pod Raceway in Northamptonshire cool. uh, in the UK. And there's also some persist- uh, per- persist- participating aircraft. Uh, you've got the Supermarine Spitfire, yep. the Yakolovs, the Pitts S1 Special, uh, flown by Lauren Richardson, who uh, I've in- uh, interviewed at cool. Seething Air Show last Lovely. year. Um, which is going to be that's going to be an awesome air show that one mm-hmm. a mini sort of air show more more based on cars I think that one right uh, but on the nineteenth of April it's uh, old Buckingham Wings and Wheels now isn't this where um, the uh, the the um, I've forgotten the name of it where the parachute company based now at Beckles that's that's the airfield where they used to be based wasn't it I think so yeah yeah, yeah. anyway so the old old Buckingham Wings and Wheels that's on the nineteenth of April uh, that's in Norfolk and we're inviting owners of classic cars and aircraft to display their machines at our ever-popular spring celebration of internal combustion. Awesome. So that should be quite nice. Uh, on, on to May then. On May. to May. Uh, we'll just cover a bit of May. So yeah. uh, what we've got some good ones in May. We've got uh, the Abingdon Air and Country Show yeah. uh, on the 3rd of May. That's at Dalton Barracks, Abingdon, Oxfordshire. Yeah. Uh, it's country air, uh, air and country air show. It has a variety of ground uh, stuff along with uh, fly-ins of Old, modern, and modern and old uh, vintage aircraft on display, and on the third of May, third mm-hmm. of May, it is uh, also uh, uh, the Shuttleworth season premiere show, uh, air show at Sir Old Warden, Bedfordshire. Uh, celebrate this important anniversary with us as we mark seventy years since the victory in Europe Day, or VE Day as we tend to call it. Uh, marking the formal conclusion of Hitler's war. Uh, that's Tuesday the 8th of May. Uh, 1945 was an official celebration day across the country uh, and during that, during the day uh, our second World War aircraft will be taking to the skies. 
along with a number of visiting aircraft also from the era. So, so far, um, they haven't confirmed uh, exactly what's flying yet, but uh, to be honest with you, in a sort of anniversary year, it's uh, always good to see always good to see some of the, the the historical aircraft still in the air really oh yes definitely so on the 23rd and 24th of may we've got the ve day anniversary air show at uh, our imperial war museum in duxford cambridgeshire ah, lovely. Yes. um 23rd 24th and that's going to be an awesome air show mm. um and it's going to obviously be celebrating uh, the ve day anniversary yeah. uh there'll be loads of aircraft there um, a lot of which are based at duxford and obviously there'll be flyings as well from other aircraft, but they're yet to bring in uh, the complete um, list, uh, list yep. of aircraft. But the PBY Catalina is going to be there, which is based wow. at Duxford. See yep. that flying? That's brilliant. Is it? Um, but uh, so uh, I think that's about all the big ones for May. Yeah. Um, so we'll cover some more news of the air yep. shows as and when we get closer to Official list of participating aircraft yet to be confirmed with a lot of these. So yeah. uh, as soon as that information comes out, obviously we'll, we'll keep you updated. But uh, yes. so it's safe to say that um, a, you know the uh, air show season is rapidly approaching. Approaching, yeah. Yes. So we did have uh, a few, uh, oh, we talked about it in an episode, was it just before Christmas, yes. we had uh, an email from uh, one of our T-shirt winners, actually, Indeed, yeah. uh, Tony Kitchen, and uh, he emailed us uh, regarding the airport at Blackpool, yep. uh, which uh, was closed by the owner, Balflower Beatty, after they failed to find a buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Tony emailed us to say that uh, there is some good news yep. in that uh, Blackpool is open again. Yeah. Uh, for private aircraft only. And there's also been a Facebook uh, page been set up as well to support the uh, re-establishing of the airport. Um, so you can f- uh, catch up that or find that on Facebook, uh, Facebook group for Blackpool Airport. Yeah. And uh, we have uh, we've got, just got a bit of sort of news we've been looking at then mm. for Blackpool Airport. So, Matt, you've got that there. Yeah, so th- this is taken from the BBC News uh, Lancashire um, site. Uh, that says, uh, uh, basically, uh, Blackpool Airport has reopened to small aircraft and helicopters. Owners Balfour Beatty closed the aircraft, uh, the airport sorry, on the 15th of October with a loss of 100 jobs after failing to find a buyer. The airport licence to resume flights has been renewed after owners of aviation businesses based at the airfield set up uh, Squiresgate Airport Operations Limited. The licence covers limited commercial service but does not allow large carriers with commercial passengers. Now, we've been trying to find out as much information as we can about yeah. its future. So I've got um, here that the airport actually reopened on the 12th of December. Yeah. Uh, so not that long ago. No. It's been opened uh, as a CAA airfield. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Blackpool Airport's control, but they, they can trace the routes back to 1909. Gosh, it's been, there. It's um, been an aircraft airport for a long time. Yeah, Blackpool Airport was one of the first aviation sites in the UK. Mm. Uh, the airport was owned and operated by City Hopper Airports Limited, yep. uh, which also owned Wolverhampton Airport and right. Biglia Airport in Italy. Um, Black or Pull Airport Limited has a Civil Aviation Authority public use aerodrome license yep. that allows uh, flights for the public transport of passengers or for flying instruction. 
Uh, there is an air, I think there is a flight school there as well. They do uh, um, they do flying lessons in there. Hence this this conglomerate setting up to sort of keep it open, I suppose, to a degree. Mm. So at least uh, operations that are based at the airport can continue functioning. But uh, in 2014, the last year of commercial operations at the airport, yeah. uh, they handled 223,372 passengers. So um, the interest in the airport then. Yeah, I mean, they've obviously lost their license for passenger aircraft to flying and that, but at least the airport is still open. Right. I mean, it is in, it is vital that you know these airports stay yeah. stay open, even if just for uh, you know for private aircraft yeah. uh, use. But it's um, a bit sad, really, I suppose, with an airport with with obviously quite a, quite a quite a sort of strong history, if you like, with uh, passenger transport. It's a shame that they haven't retained that license. But it, the location, they're located at St Anne's on the Sea, right. Lancashire. And okay. they have an airport elevation of 34 feet uh, 10 metres. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can um, you can find loads of information um, you, via the usual means mm. on uh, on Blackpool Airport. But uh, they, have, they did see in the last few years of operations the amount of passenger traffic uh, drop mm. at the airport, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, as as well as freight in the in two thousand four they had uh, fifty six tons of freight come through the aircraft right. whereas in two thousand and thirteen there was no freight at all no, no freight at all um, mm. but uh, it's a shame I hope I mean I guess some... I guess they're aiming for sort of the, the, well, I suppose they've got these carriers have got better deals with other with other other airports I suppose air, yeah. yeah. But a uh, little bit of information there then on Blackpool Airport. Mm. Um, thanks, Tony, for getting in touch with us about that. Yeah. Um, but there's been some quite sort of good visitors to Blackpool Airport. I mean, the RAF uh, Hawk jets have mm-hmm. been in there. Um, the Red Arrows have gone into there as well. Right. Um, and like we said, there is a there is a flight school there, based there. Uh, also, until January 2006, yeah. an Avro Vulcan bomber, uh, serial number XL391, was on static display um, close to the entrance to the airport. Um, and its last operational role was at the Ascension Islands during the Falklands conflict. So right. that was that was near the entrance to the airport for a while. Um, blimey, yeah. there's, there's been there's quite a lot of history with Blackpool Airport. Anyway, and uh, thanks again, Tony, for getting in contact yeah, with absolutely. us about that. So, Matt. Yes. Wow. That's another first, episode. First show. First show of 2015. 2015, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but no, are. thanks for all our all our listeners for yeah. uh, for listening to the show. We yeah. do appreciate that. And Very also much so. uh, to our competition winners from uh, last year. Indeed. Hopefully their T-shirts have all arrived with them. <laughs> um, fingers crossed. We yeah. look forward to uh, seeing some pictures of you guys wearing those T-shirts. Tony, your T-shirt will be sent out to you hopefully today. Uh-huh. Uh, so you should be getting your T-shirt next week. Cool. So, episode 43. Is in the can. It certainly is. So okay. thanks for joining us on the show today. Yep. And uh, nice to see you again, Matt. And you, and you. Good, good, good. We'll uh, we'll get back together again next week for another week chilling episode. Excellent. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so don't forget you can find us on Facebook, uh, Plain Talking UK. Uh, you can search us on there, like us on there, and follow us on Twitter as well. You can find Plain Talking UK podcast on Twitter. We love a good Twitter follow on there. A good tweet. A good tweet or two, <laughs> Yes. And uh, don't forget, you could send us your emails uh, via the website www.plaintalkinguk.com. Uh, plain spelled P-L-A-N-E. So you can click on the Contact Us tab. Send us an email. Mm-hmm, send Matt an email. He'd love to hear from yes, you. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> well, that's the lot. That's it then. 
And uh, from the Plain Talking UK kitchen studio, it's a uh, a blue sky and a summery kind of um, day outside. Wintry day. Yeah. Goodbye <laughs> from me, Carlos, and from you, Matt. Uh, I guess goodbye from me. And goodbye.